have been promoting Wednesday night Bible study, and, and I appreciate the generous turnout that's here tonight. But I especially wanted as many of you here as possible for this Bible study, and uh, I want to teach it. I want to teach it with all of my heart. I want you to receive it in the spirit in which I will teach it. Um, and uh, I see Dave Bunch just walked through the back door. Let's give him some welcome. Great to see him all the way from Memphis. Thank the Lord. Is that Farah? I can't. Is that Farah? Okay. Great to see you guys tonight. What a surprise. Amen. Glad to see you guys. Absolutely. Um, but I want to teach this Bible study. It's, it's, it's a, a, a study that in all of my years as in, in pastorate, I've never taught it anything like this. I've never had to. Um, and kind of like pastoring a church is similar to kind of a when you're a parent with your family. You, you, you kind of, in, in, in pastor case, I, I like to follow the Lord and, and do as he leads. And, but in addition to that, I like to teach where there's needs. As much as you provide for the needs of your family and your children and what have you. And um, so this is a needy Bible study. And uh, so I want to read tonight, first of all, from Titus chapter 2, verse 15. And while you're preparing for that, I do want to thank Celeste from coming all the way from the back to shake my hand tonight. And all of our meet and greet, no one ever shakes my hand. I'm just saying, I've never had anybody walk up here. I think she's the first one that's ever done that and walked all the way from the back. And so all of you people that say, well, he didn't even shake my hand. You never shake my hand during meet and greet. I'm just saying. So stand with me in honor to the word of God tonight. Thank the Lord. I'm having a good time here tonight. Brother Merrill started all of this. So uh, we're just going to keep right on going. Amen. Love Grace Church. Thank the Lord. Titus chapter 2, verse 15. These things speak, Paul writing to Titus. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no man despise thee. Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers. Everybody say powers. To be magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves were also... Also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers or many lusts and pleasures, living in malice or hatred and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, and being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These good things, these things are good and profitable, Unto men, but avoid foolish, foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he is that, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sins, being condemned of himself. One more verse, Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse seventeen. The writer of Hebrews said, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls and they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable to you. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing. Appreciate you very much. You may be seated. I want to talk to you tonight for a little while about God's authority in the church. Now, I preached a hard sermon Sunday, and uh, I want to thank you for your very kind response to the Word of God that you heard. Many were uh, stirred by what you heard, 
and uh, I appreciate it very, very much. Your your kind, beautiful response to the Word of God. One area that I am particularly weak in, uh, many areas that I'm weak in, but one of those is I'm not a self-promoter. Um, I have a brother, most of you have met him, Brother Tom Murphy, pastors in Heinston, uh, uh, Louisiana. Um, when I wrote my book several years ago, he was over the bookstore at the campground, and, and so he's sold a lot of copies for me. But he kept telling me, you need to come down here and just stand close to that book. And when people pick it up, you need to step in and sell them that book. I'm, I don't do that. Uh, that's just not me. I'm not a self-promoter. Uh, believe it or not, I'm kind of uncomfortable when there's attention drawn to me. I can function in this role and behind the pulpit and everybody staring at me, but if there are certain areas in which I have to perform or do certain things, I get real weak in the knees and kind of get fidgety and what have you. So I'm not a self-promoter. I'm saying all that to say, as a pastor... I don't self-promote my pastoral role. I assume everyone knows that. But I made a statement Sunday, going back to that uh, statement I made a few moments ago, that I made a statement Sunday, and I want to make it again tonight. Um, it's a, 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 a mantle that I wear only because God requires it, and I have humbly accepted it. Uh, and this is real hard for me to say because I have such low self-esteem all the time and I've been very transparent about it is um, I am the voice of God in your life as pastor now that doesn't mean I'm a big whoop and I'm not on an ego trip I'm not like the fellow that preached a great message one Sunday morning and told his wife on the way home that there's a lot of great preachers in this world she brought him back down to the planet and said yeah one less than how many you think um Wives have a tendency to keep you flat-footed on the ground, trust me. Um, but <clears throat> I, don't, I don't like to do this. Uh, but I do want you to know that when I preach to you the Word of God, it is the voice of God in your ear. So I want to make a few disclaimers tonight before I begin. Uh, I do believe when I tell people things, and oftentimes I will be very clear that this isn't pastor speaking, this isn't Glenn Murphy speaking, this is the, the man of God speaking to you. And you need to heed what I'm saying. Uh, I want to make a few disclaimers. And what I'm about to say includes all the people here at Grace Church who are related to me or Sister Murphy. As an individual or family, if you attend Grace, or if you are a member of Grace Church, then... I am your pastor. I want to say this is a needful study, and I'm not doing it because it's making me feel wonderful. But if you are a member of Grace Church, then by default, I become your pastor. If you can't accept that, then you need to go to a church where you can. You need a pastor in your life, and I'm going to come to that in my Bible study at the end. If you, can, if, if you are our good friends and we've known you for a long time. And there's people here at Grace Church that I adore, that I have known you for a long, long time, Sister Murph and I both. And as far as I know, you've accepted the fact that the Glenn Murphy that you ran around with as a teenager is now your pastor, and you've accepted that fact. If you attend Grace Church, or if you're a member, or serve in any capacity, it then becomes my responsibility. I'm explaining why... I preach like I did Sunday and then for other needs. It then becomes my responsibility to pastor you or take you from here to heaven. Or if you choose to go to hell, then I'll be screaming in your ear every step of the way. It is my responsibility to dedicate your children to the Lord. To see to it that they repent and are baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm giving you my point of view my responsibility, the mantle that I wear. It is my responsibility to provide and appoint qualified leaders and teachers in the church so you and your family can be taught the Word of God. We don't let just anybody teach here. 
It's my responsibility to pray for you. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, my family really needs your prayer. You get that. You don't have to ask. You get that. It's my responsibility to pray for you and instruct you, to guide you, and to care for you. It's my responsibility to watch over your soul. It's my responsibility to marry you when you get married, if you're a member of Grace Church. It's my responsibility to bury you. In other words, it is my responsibility to walk beside you from your cradle to your grave. If you decide to to terminate that relationship for whatever reason, then it becomes your responsibility to find another pastor, another shepherd that will do the same. It's my responsibility to teach and preach the Bible. And when I teach doctrine and biblical principles, whether either explicit or implicit, it is never your option. It is never your option. Everybody listen. It is never your option to pick and choose what you will believe and obey or not. You do not have the option of attending, attending Grace Church and not having me as your pastor. I am God's appointed representative ambassador in your life. I do not and will not lord over the flock, but I do pastor appropriately to the best of my ability based on study, training, and experience. If pastor says yes, then it's yes. But if pastor says no, it's no. You can get your feelings hurt, but you need to submit to that and you need to obey it. A number of years ago, our sweet sister Yvonne Thompson, she is in Austin this summer with her daughter and granddaughter, came to me and she said, Pastor, I feel like the Lord wants me to go to Chad, Africa for six months and work. Across the board, it was a phenomenal idea. I was so proud. I am so pumped that we've created an environment here, especially with our young people, that they want to go overseas and work. I'm so pumped about Heather Tear right now. I don't know what to do. Dallas and Brianna both have been overseas and, and worked in the mission field. Heather's now going for three months as an aimer. And um, I don't know exactly when that'll be, but I'm really pumped about it. But anyway, she came and said she wanted to go. I can't explain it. I still can't explain it, and I remember it vividly. I looked her in the eye and said, no, I don't want you to. It's not resonating with me. And I can't tell you when she left that meeting how crushed she was, but I was crushed more. It's like when, almost like when your child comes to you and wants something reasonable, and you just, I don't know, there's just something on the inside that says, no, you can't have that. And uh, she looked me in the eye and she said, okay, I won't go. And she didn't. To this day, I don't know why. I believe God spared her something had she gone, but we don't know that. She came back about a year later and she said, Pastor, I just can't get rid of this feeling, except this time I want to go to Botswana, Africa and work with the Seminoles. I said, pack your bags. She went for six months and came back and the rest is history. She came back later and told me, she said, that, was the most diff- that first meeting was the most difficult meeting I've ever had with a pastor. I still don't understand why you said no, but it was my duty and obligation to submit to my pastor. And she did. She went on to say that, she said, I'll be honest with you, my siblings, my parents, and others have always had issues submitting to a pastor. And she said, I did come to the conclusion that if nothing else, I believe God wanted me to use me to show my family the importance of submission and obedience. And I'm glad I did it. So with all of that being said, in America right now, in our church culture, this is the most difficult time in America to pastor. And I'm going to tell you why. The premise is that we have three distinct generations of people in the church. Listen very carefully. This is important. Notice the screen. We have three distinct generations of people in the church at the same time. 
We have post-World War II people. These are our elders that we honor and respect. They were all taught to respect authority. Then we have the baby boomers, which is kind of my age and, and younger. They were taught to question authority. And I remember a time when the church evolved from when I was a child, you just did whatever the pastor said. Anybody old enough to remember those days? You just did what the pastor said. That's the environment I grew up under, and you didn't question it. But then when I started pastoring, I remember this transition where as a pastor, you had to be equipped to answer questions because people didn't take what you said at face value anymore. They wanted to know why. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody on board with me? <clears throat> well, then comes the millennials. That's this little group of people, kind of college-age kids right now in our society. I'm just kind of doing general groupings. They've been taught to ignore authority. That's why people run around shooting policemen. They've been taught that. If someone gets in your way and you don't like what they're doing, you just bump them out of the way. You ignore authority. And I've lived long enough to see, and I've watched it uh, through the years. There's a host of people that's not here tonight. I would to God they were here to hear what I'm saying. But there's folks, young couples, young married couples, our college-age kids or whatever, pastor preaches, pastor teaches, and you walk out the door and do what you want to do. I'm going to come back to that in a little while. So this is a very obvious and outstanding situation at Grace Church, and that's why I'm teaching this material. I do wish our young people was in here, and maybe one day we can make that happen. I have observed over the past few years that parents who have such a difficult time getting their kids to behave, they have such a difficult time disciplining their children to teach them appropriate conduct across the board. And sometimes it reaches a point, and we're at that point now, where we have parents who have kids that are old enough to say, I don't want to go to church. And in some cases, moms and dads are letting them stay home, or they'll stay home with them. The reason for that, in most cases, is because the parents aren't submitted. You don't listen. And you're, you don't realize it, but you're passing that down to your children. I want to go back again with all of our working parents. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I don't mean to harp, and I don't expect everybody to run out and quit your job tomorrow, but you need to start looking for something else where you can be in church on Sunday. You're going to end up regretting that one day with your kids. You're teaching them that it's okay to miss church. I'm telling you. They're young now, and you can control them, and you can tell them what to do, and blah, blah, blah. But when they're teenagers, they're going to look you in the eye and say, I'm not going tonight. I said it Sunday. I had a parent tell me one time, I'm so frustrated because my kids don't come to church. And I wanted to scream back at this person and say, you don't either. You're not here all the time either. And you, you teach that. But bottom line, the problem, the root issue, is that you're not submitted and because you're not submitted, your kids are not submitted. You teach them that. It may be a subliminal message. It may be, it's not an obvious, well, you don't have to do what the old man says. He's, he's old-fashioned. He's weird. Just don't worry about it. You may not say it that way, but your actions say it. So I've observed over the past years that parents who have a difficult time getting their kids to behave, to discipline them, and so on, is because you're not. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. So the church of today needs an understanding of spiritual authority. And this, this is a hard Bible study for me to teach because I'm not this kind of pastor. I'm not in your face and I don't tell people what to do. But I do know when God speaks to me and when I pass that on to you, it's in your best interest. Not mine. I'm just the mail carrier. It's in your best interest to heed what pastor says. Paul told Timothy, and I asked you to repeat this word a few minutes ago, he told Timothy to rebuke with all authority and to teach them to be subject to powers. The word powers there means delegated influence. It's, it's, it's influence that God has delegated. It's authority. 
In other words, teach the church to be subject to delegated authorities. Listen, if you're getting your advice from others outside of the Bible, if you get advice from others outside of pastor, then it is not necessarily under the umbrella of God's or my authority. It is not the counsel of this church. So you need to pay attention to that. And there has been a successful attempt by the devil to slip this principle into the church. Give nice cards to the pastor, tell him happy birthday, say nice things, etc. But you don't have to obey nor cooperate with anything he says, even the simplest, smallest things if you don't want to. There's two great revelations needed in Christianity. There's two great revelations that's needed in Christianity. I'm talking to everybody in the building tonight. Number one is learning to trust in God's salvation. God has the ability to save you. Number two is learning to obey God's authority. You're not going to heaven unless you do. We all know that sin equals lawlessness, and it is an issue of the heart as well as other actions. Paul said, Romans chapter 2, For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law, and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law, those that obey, those are the ones who will be justified. So here's two major movements, agendas. The screen says principles. I'm going to change that word to movements or agendas that are working world today. Number one is God's authority, and number two is Satan's rebellion against it. It can come in great forms where you can stand outside this church and protest and threaten to shoot anybody that walks in, or you can walk in the door and sit down and say, I'm not going to do anything. The Bible, God, or the pastor instructs me I'm not going to do it. Either way, it's rebellion. You cannot serve God, folks. You cannot serve God and simultaneously go the way of rebellion or disobedience. It doesn't work. Satan laughs when a rebellious person tries to accomplish things in the spirit or ministry. It doesn't work. You remember what the devil said in Isaiah 14? Thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit... Upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I'll be like the Most High. The devil's goal was not to do away with the throne of God. His goal was to avoid submitting to it. When we work to avoid submitting to God's ordained authority in the church, we are submitting to a satanic principle that has been in existence since the devil rebelled against God. We who serve God must understand authority and how it works. I'll give you an example of that. <clears throat> Brad Storns can give you a little lesson on this. After you've been electrocuted, after you've been shocked by electricity, don't take but once. You learn the principle of electricity. You handle it properly, and it's an awesome thing. You mishandle it, and it'll kill you. <clears throat> Rebellion is much worse than typical sinning because it is the intent of the heart. It's the intent. I've made up my mind this is what I'm going to do. So Satan's intent was to violate God's authority. So as we are serving God, we cannot allow ourselves to violate the authorities in our life. These kinds of questions are asked, and I've heard, I've been asked some of these questions, and it's gotten back to me that some of you have asked these questions. Well, who does he, pastor, think he is? Or I don't care what he said. I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. Or I just don't agree with that, so I'm not going to do it. You don't have that option when it's the Bible. When it comes to the Bible, it's not options. It's not alternatives. It's just hard for me to say, but the people that I know of today that are in the most difficult places of their lives, meaning their families are torn apart or tearing apart, they're divorced, their kids are going astray, the list is endless. It all goes back to a lack of submission and obedience. There's someone that I know right now that on more than one occasion has stared me in the face and said, I'm not doing all of that. They're divorced, kids aren't coming to church. 
and it, it, it's right down the line. I can start up this side and this side, and, you know, right down, and, and there's a long list of people. We can become wicked. We can become wicked by allowing a satanic principle to enter into our service or commitment to God. Our greatest calling is to obey God. It's our greatest calling. The whole essence of discipleship is obedience-based. I know we hear a lot of faith stuff, but obedience, faith without works, obeying, it's obedience. It's obedience, doing what God asks you to do. God limited King Saul in the Old Testament because he would not submit to authority. So he, nor his seed, Saul nor his children, would never be allowed to stay in authority. Some of you folks wonder why your kids aren't serving God today and you just can't get them serving God. It might be a reason. In 1 Samuel 13, And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast kept not the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom in Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because you have not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. That's what Samuel told Saul. Went on to tell him in 1 Samuel 15, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice than to hearken to the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is an iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Real strong words, but God is serious about this obedience business. And he's not, Saul isn't having this conversation with God. Don't y'all understand that? He's having this conversation with God's man. Y'all understand that? Okay. Our stubbornness will be revealed and judged by God no matter how much we try to mask it with good works. Why? Because until we have submitted or have been smitten by God's authority, we'll not pay any attention to it. I've seen this, folks. All of my life. I've seen it in my own life, in the lives of others. The New Testament Saul wreaked havoc in the church until the Damascus Road experience when God literally knocked him off of his horse. Then he submitted to an unknown, no big deal, no big personality, no big time preacher, pastor, a man called Ananias. Acts 9, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against bricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told unto thee what you must do. Saul had to submit to Ananias, as great as Saul, as, as Saul later changed to Paul, became in the Scripture. His journey began by submitting to an unknown pastor. Had he not done that, Saul would have been blind until he died. <clears throat> is this making sense to anybody? This is why some people have trouble dealing with the pastor and the serve team leaders and, and even ushers. They, they, I've given them authority to help children behave properly and, and to send them to their parents and so on. And parents don't like that. They don't like people correcting their kids. Why? Because you're not submitted. Once you've had God's authority revealed in your life, it will suffer, it will surface later through someone that God has placed in your life. I'll say that again. Once you've had God's authority revealed in your life, it will surface later through someone that God has placed in your life. We do not just obey a man. We obey God's authority that is invested in that man, that is vested in that man. You know why big-time Paul would listen to a little-known Ananias? Because he met God's authority first. I'm going to tell you, when God knocks you off your horse and leaves you flat on, the back, on, flat, flat on your back, at that point, you'd listen to the dog catcher. If he could guide you out of that situation, yes, you would. It's that beggars-can't-be-choosers kind of thing. 
So he met God's authority first and knew that Ananias would be God's man in his life. And it is so sad when someone meets man's authority before they meet God's authority. And, and church people reek with this. You walk into church and, you know, you, you, you're struggling with submission. All of a sudden, here's this guy in the pulpit, you know, trying to tell you what to do is the way you take it. I'm just trying to get you to heaven. That's all. I, I don't care about anything else. I just want you to go to heaven. I'm planning on going and I'd love to see you there. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? <clears throat> it's my only objective. <clears throat> but it's sad when you meet man's authority before you meet God's authority. <clears throat> and there are some men who abuse the flock. There are pastors that do. There are pastors that not only abuse the flock, but there's other pastors that neglect the flock. I've been accused of both. I understand that. It's the nature of the beast. And I'm not perfect, don't claim to be. But nonetheless, God put me in this pulpit, and here I am. And you're stuck with me as long as you're at Grace Church. I was I ain't leaving. <clears throat> but some men have taken the pastor role, and they've, they've, they've been real destructive with it. But after you've seen the true authority of God, you can easily submit to the man that God has placed in your life. That's why so many have problems submitting themselves to a human. You've, you've seen man before God. You must have a revelation of God's authority before you can ever really obey his leaders properly. Hebrews 13. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your soul. And they must give an account. And they may do it with joy, not with grief. So now who is that speaking of? Who is that person that you obey? Hebrews 13 verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, or you consider the conduct or the behavior of that man. And I've, I've told people in times past, and I've, I've not said it here in a long time, but when a pastor is acting inappropriately, you have the right, I believe, biblically, based on this verse, to dismiss yourself, to excuse yourself kindly, courteously, thank him for his service and, and impact on your life, and find a shepherd that will treat you appropriately. You have the right to do that. But as long as the pastor's doing what he is supposed to do as God's man, as long as he's obeying God, preaching the word of God, and so on, the Bible said, consider their conduct. And as long as that's up to par, you have no excuse. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially them that labor in word and doctrine. So why honor those who preach doctrine? Who, why honor those that labor? Ezekiel chapter 3 said, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speaketh to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. That's my job. And I want everybody to understand that. Church isn't a frivolous, glorified, little social thing that you get some spiritual input. There's, there's an authority. There's a regimen that God has put in this church. And as long as pastor stands behind this pulpit and preaches the word of God, if you're erring from where God wants you to be, it's my job. I would neglect my job if I didn't remind you of priorities in your life. I would be that neglectful pastor. And I wish, I wish you folks could understand the spirit in which I'm speaking. He went on to say, Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked ways, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. In other words, you're not accountable for that man. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Every tree that bringeth forth uh, bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. Whereby their, wherefore, by their fruit shall you know them. And not every one of them that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And many shall come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, we, have we not prophesied in thy name, and have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Jesus gave a rebuke to those 
who do religious works from the standpoint of an unsubmitted attitude or spirit. Acts chapter 19. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of Siva, a Jew, a chief of the priests, which did so, and an evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this was known unto all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified and many believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. And many of them also which used curious arts and brought their books together and burned them before all men. They counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. It's imperative that you realize that when you come up against the man of God, you got your work cut out for you. You can mow over, Pastor, and you can disregard anything I say, but you won't answer to me. You'll answer to me as long as I'm in the book. Now, if I stray out of the book, you can do what you want. But as long as I'm in the book, you'll, you'll, you'll answer to God. There's no doubt or question about it. I want everybody to understand that you can't do the will of God. You can't enter into the work of the Spirit just because you think you're ready. If you enter the work of ministry unsubmitted, you'll be torn apart. And I've seen it happen all of my life. We are not to find our own work to do, but rather find God's will for our life, and that's what we obey. And after we understand this, we can enjoy the wonderful experience of walking in God's authority. So... Here's a question I want to ask, and I want you to answer it in your mind. I want you to answer it in your heart. Ask yourself, who are you submitted to? Whose authority are you under? And we have military people here tonight. We have law enforcement people here, and you really understand this question. You understand it better than anybody else. Who are you submitted to? Whose authority are you under? If you cannot put a face and a name to who you're submitted to, then you're fooling yourself your relationship with God. <clears throat> you say, well, Pastor, who are you submitted to? I'll tell you. Number one, I'm submitted to my, pre- my presbyter. He's a very good friend of mine, but he would have no problem. If any of you know Brother Ronnie Melanson, he'd have no problem or no qualms to call me on the phone and, and give me correction. Number two, I'm submitted to my district superintendent, Kevin Cox. Number three, I'm submitted to my general superintendent. I'm submitted to. I'm just not a loose cannon up here doing what I want to do. And then finally, with all of my heart, I'm submitted to God. And I believe tonight there's folks that attend Grace Church. There's folks here tonight. You have physical issues, mental issues, emotional issues that could potentially be healed if you could learn to embrace the word submission and engage it in your life. Get rid of the attitude, get rid of the spirit, the nasty spirit. We teach lifestyle standards here. Call them holiness standards typically. We teach that here. And every once in a while, and it's, it's mostly women than, than men. I, I don't know, the, the women have struggled with vanity and their exterior appearance far more than men do, obviously. However, I think I look pretty nice most of the time. Just saying. I care about that. There ain't much to work with here, but I do the best I can. But it seemed like the lady folks really struggling. Every once in a while I'll see, you know, and just stuff you 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 ladies will paint stuff on and you'll trim this and trim that and do all this kind of stuff like no one ever notices. And that you have an option in doing that. You don't. And you wonder why your children don't submit and obey you? There's a spirit behind that. And you've invited it into your own home, in your own marriage, with your kids. If you're not submitted and you don't obey, how are you going to expect your kids to do it? 
there's a spirit behind it. It's a spirit of rebellion. It is. And, and you say, ah, come on, pastor. You know, I'm not out there protesting and shooting people at wall with this church. It doesn't matter. You're still rebelling. And just because you go to a church where they condone all that stuff, even though it's still biblical, that don't make it right either. Thought I'd get more than one amen on that, but it's, none, it's true nonetheless. But if God could deliver us from rebellion, I believe there's a lot of us that could be healed of things going on in our life. Rebellion is a strong word, but it fits here. I call it disobedience. The third chapter of Romans is excellent in understanding the principle of authority, and I'm closing. <clears throat> let every soul be subject. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that, are, that be are, are of, ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resist the power, resist the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. The Bible's not using the word rebellion here. It's using the word resist. You just don't want to do it. I'm not going to be ugly about it. I'm not going to stand up in church and rail on the pastor and say you're a heretic and I'm not going to believe all that stuff. You just do it. You don't make any statement about it. You just show up and it's there. You're resisting. The Bible said people that do that will receive to themselves damnation. You interpret that. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Church rulers are not a terror to good works, but they're a terror to evil works. That's the point. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good. Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. I'm here for your good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, you must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing, that's paying tithes and offering. Render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law for this. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, steal, bear false witness, shall not covet, thou bear any uh, other commandment. It is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law, and, and that knowing the, the time that now is high time to Awake out of thy sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light, and let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And I know people here tonight, church, the Grace Church is built on people who's been hurt and burned by preachers, pastors, church members, and all that kind of stuff. But it still does not give you justification to become your own judge. It is still imperative that you find a pastor. Don't have to be me. Just find somebody, a pastor that you can trust. They'll teach you the Word of God. They'll teach it to you true and straight. If you can't do it here, you need to find somewhere where you can. You've got to go to heaven, I promise you. You've got to go to heaven. And you're not going to go to heaven any other way. These are not optional things, folks. So when pastor says, Thus saith the Word of the Lord, you need to set up and listen with both ears and get serious about it. It's not optional for you to receive that or not. I want you to understand that. You can be sweet as you can be, nice as you can be, but if you're not in if you're not in alignment with the Word of God in your life, if you're not faithful in tithing, attending church regularly, da 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 da, living a good wholesome life, I don't care how good you are, it doesn't matter.
And I know in my heart, and you folks know, those of you that's on board with me tonight know, that there's going to be a lot of disappointed people when they die. There's going to be a lot of disappointed people when the rapture take place and they don't go. What was the statement? Uh, I believe Brother Weiser said it. One of the most tragic times this world has ever experienced before in its life would be three minutes after the rapture. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but there's this idea and this mentality that's crept into the church that when pastor preaches and teaches, I can accept it or I don't have to. As long as I feel good in my heart and Jesus is this big ball of cotton candy in my heart, everything is good. That's not how it works. The Bible said there's coming a time when the books are going to be open. I believe it's the 66 books of the Bible is going to be open. That's what you're going to be judged by, not the part that you agree with. Somebody hand me a Bible. Somebody have a Bible besides your smartphone. I can pull out my smartphone. Sister Deidre, thank you. I'll return it to you in just a moment. Can I close it? I've done this illustration before, but I'm going to conclude with it now because some of you here tonight haven't heard it. I offered several years ago to go buy a Bible. I don't believe any Bible's cheap. Maybe an inexpensive Bible, like a little award Bible or whatever. And just bring it to church one Wednesday night and, and read some just real critical verses. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Here is where the Lord our God is one Lord. Those of you who don't believe in one God, let's just cut that verse out and just flick it on the floor. Um, Acts 2, 38. Repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus. If you don't believe in Jesus' name, water ba- uh, baptism. Let's just cut that one out. Let's just cut that verse out. Get a pair of scissors and I'll hold it out and you can poke one of the little scissor things through there and just snip it out. Let's keep going. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see. Lord, people don't like holiness. Let's cut that verse out. What do you say? Look, my job as pastor would be a whole lot easier if some of these verses wasn't in the Bible, trust me. And there's a lot of pastors that I know, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but they don't have the guts and the courage to preach it and teach it. I do. It's in the book, and it's my job to teach it. Everybody on board with that? I'm not here to please men. I'm here to please God. Amen. All right. So we can take that Hebrews verse out, you know, the, without holiness. No, we can cut that one out. And we can cut out 1 Corinthians 7. And we can cut out Deuteronomy 22. And we can cut out all these verses. And then close up that Bible. And this is what I did that Wednesday night. Let's cut out all these verses that we don't like. Who wants that Bible? You want it? You want that to be the Bible you read every day? And you get to a verse and it goes from chapter 3 to verse 5 in Deuteronomy? I mean, Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, it goes from chapter 22, verse 4 to verse 6. You want that Bible? We don't want to cut it all, all out physically, literally, but we do it in our heart and we do it in our mind. But if God will help me, Brother Billy, to the best of my ability, Brother Phil, Brother Brown, Brother Wheeler, if God will help me with all of my heart, I'm going to stand up here and teach it so I can be delivered from the responsibility of your soul. And if you don't do it, it's on you. But I want you folks, this is a hard Bible study for me to teach, man. This is not my style. You folks that know me know that. I'm not into this. But I want everybody to know it's my job to take you from your cradle to your grave. And I'm going to do the best of my ability to do that. My father-in-law a number of years ago gave me a poem, and I still have it. Thank you, Sister Deidre. And it's about the old soldier, that, and he was a phenomenal soldier in Korea a number of years ago. And God only knows that the torment that's been in his mind for the past several years because of it. But he gave me that poem, and I still have it. And I was instructed when he passes, if I'm still pastor and do his funeral, I'm to read that poem. It occurred to me that day. It occurred to me that day. This is my father-in-law, and he's known me at my worst he knew me when I was an idiot and didn't have any ambition and I wanted to marry his daughter and he's like, oh God, oh God. Thank God he didn't say no and he, I was a heathen. I rearranged his living room one day and we set up a ping pong table in it and 
we jumped on their beds and it was her, their son's fault. They led me into that activity. <laughs> but it occurred to me that when they started attending Grace Church 20 plus years ago, it's my job to get this man from here to there. It's my job, and I take it very serious, and it's my job to do the same for you. And I want everybody to understand that. So when I get in your face and I preach hard, I just want you to understand. I want you to know where it's coming from. Is everybody on board with that? Y'all understand me tonight? Stand with me. I love this church. I walk in and out often during the week. There's no one here. Sometimes, sometimes Christy's here. Uh, I was here several hours today. No one here. And as I walk around, I just mutter under my breath, thank God for this church. I got emotional. I can walk in here even when it's dark, and I can see some of you sitting here. And I love you. I love being your pastor. I'm not good at it, but I have your best interest at heart when it comes to spiritual things. And I make a lot of mistakes and do a lot of crazy things. But I love you people, and I teach the Bible with all of my heart to the best of my ability. And I want you to go to heaven. And I want you to understand that. So I'm going to ask you tonight, figuratively speaking, to take me by the hand. And let's make that journey together. What do you say? Thank the Lord. It's great to see all of you. So glad to see my good friend Travis here tonight. Is that Travis? That's him? Okay. Can't see. Glad to see you, man. God bless you tonight. Everybody say thank the Lord for the word. All right. Run around and greet some more people. And uh, take your time. Enjoy yourself. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday in Jesus' name.